Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't Turn Out to Be a Coward, a reflection by Diane Pendergraft, originally posted on November 18, 2023. All scripture quotes are from the English Standard Version unless otherwise noted. My family loves to make fun of me for having been afraid of deer when I was little. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I can explain. We lived in the country and deer were always around somewhere, I suppose because they are beautiful and interesting to watch. When my sisters and I were little, whenever grown-ups saw a deer, they would gasp and exclaim, oh, "Look, a deer!" I would be startled by the gasp and thought, These grown-ups are all afraid of deer. There must be something about them I don't understand. What will they do to us if we get too close? Then there were the near misses with our car on our country road in the dark. The driver had to be constantly alert for deer that might be lying in wait to jump in front of us. Dark is scary enough without the added elements of more gasping, sudden breaking, and swerving to miss those innocent-looking but apparently malevolent creatures. The true injustice of being made fun of for my fear is that no one would ever have known if I hadn't told them, much later. This is true of most of the things I was afraid of when I was small. I never wanted anyone to know. But I have one particular memory of a time when a group of people were standing on our front porch and someone noticed deer down the hill, across the road, and up the next hill. Everyone seemed to be enjoying watching them, but I shrank back against the front door, prepared to get inside quickly if the deer suddenly decided to come at us from a thousand yards away. While studying Second Corinthians, I was reminded of this incident, not of deer specifically, but of the shrinking back. In chapter 3, Paul had been explaining the glory of the ministry he and those with him had been given. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. In the past, when I heard the phrase, lose heart, I would think of being lazy or getting tired and giving up. The word is used in Luke 18 in Jesus' parable of the persistent widow about the woman who keeps going to the judge demanding justice. In Galatians and 2 Thessalonians, the word is translated, grow weary, when Paul tells Christians not to get tired of doing good. The picture in my mind is of someone working away, at something good, of course, then suddenly plopping down in a chair, arms hanging loose, head on knees, exclaiming, I just can't go on. Noticing that the word translated lose heart is one Greek word, I had to investigate. In the case of the persistent widow and the instances where it is translated grow weary, the word is used in the sense of being remiss or slothful in duty, which is not strictly a matter of getting tired and needing rest, is it? But then there's the first meaning given in my dictionary, to turn out to be a coward, to lose one's courage. That isn't merely getting tired either. At BibleGateway.com, I looked at 2 Corinthians 4.1 in over 60 translations, and not one of them uses the word coward, though the complete Jewish Bible does say lose courage. The given translations use the phrases faint not, get discouraged, give up, lose heart, undaunted, and fail not. I'm no Greek scholar or translator, and I'm certainly not saying I know better than all of these. What I am doing is taking an opportunity, as I meditate on the roots of this phrase, to examine the roots of my failings. Under what circumstances do I turn out to be a coward? When and how does fear keep me from being obedient? 
I remember when, several years ago, I read one of the many instances of Jesus saying, Fear not, and realized it wasn't just a suggestion. It was a command. Until then, I think I had taken those fear nots as Jesus kindly giving me a choice. There, there, my dear, you don't need to be afraid if you don't want to. Jesus spent the time of his ministry demonstrating for the disciples why they must not fear anything. He patiently showed them that nature is obedient to his will, that he has power over sickness and evil spirits, and even over death itself. That being the case, what is left for us to fear? Paul, who said to the Corinthians that he does not lose heart, goes on to say, We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. End quote. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. In the very next paragraph, he repeats the phrase, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.16-18 Those transient things range from things that threaten to terrify us, like pain and death, to what will the neighbors think? Paul conquered his fear by keeping his focus on eternal things rather than this light, momentary affliction. I recently reread George MacDonald's book, The Princess and the Goblin. He wrote the book for children. But does this not apply to me and all the rest of us as well? The princess's king papa is trying to protect her from the goblins, but she doesn't understand the danger. He has the big picture, she does not. One night she is startled by something inside the house and runs outside in exactly the wrong direction. MacDonald says of her choice, quote, It was foolish indeed thus to run farther and farther from all who could help her as if she had been seeking a fit spot for the goblin creature to eat her in at his leisure. But that is the way fear serves us. It always sides with the thing we are afraid of. End quote. I'm thankful that Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has given us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. I pray that as I focus on God's promises rather than transient things, I won't turn out to be a coward. 